0: following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know, and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast.
1: Can I pose a proposition? No guy opens the door the prophet of god is in your living room
0: show me your hottest kids
1: <laughs> oh, oh, oh. i he went crazy cuckoo
0: with the schizo i don't feel like to say that <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right i'd like to welcome everyone to the second rate saints podcast i'm one of your pro- not producers hosts here Caleb to my left is I'm Joshua
0: and to my left is I'm Joel and to my left I am
2: Colton and to my left it's me Caleb gone full so uh we have the full crew here yeah um we're just missing Stuart as, as always Stuart might be able to join us pretty soon mm-hmm. really? he's gonna be super excited hopefully heck yeah we'll see you know peace is moving um Joel do we do anything
3: on the internet and yeah. we, we hype up Stuart all the time.
0: Yeah, we are big Stuart. We're Stuart heads here on the Second Rate Saint podcast. Um, yeah, we do. We are on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Uh, we've got a website, Second Rate Saints. Um, if you want to email us, we've got Saints at gmail.com. Um, yeah, there's plenty of ways to interact. If you've listened to any of our content that comes out weekly um, and had a, a thought, a comment, or a concern, um, we'd really appreciate you shooting us a message. Mm-hmm. Um and one of those things that we always like to hear comments on is um, our what have you read section, uh, which is a little bit of a segment we do to begin the episode. Um, I'm going to say, Caleb, what have you read?
2: A couple of things, but this time I have read J.I. Packer's Heritage of Anglican Theology. Oh, yeah. Don't try Really? Ang-
0: <laughs> Anglican books. You really. There's a pattern. Have you oh, noticed no, I've never even heard. Have you, have you noticed anything? I've noticed Anglicanism. <laughs> um.
2: It is exactly as it sounds, other than the heritage. Mix that with history instead of uh, heritage. The history of Anglican theology, it's exactly what it is. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so he just recounts the origins of Anglicanism, how that develops, different strands, how they interacted with each other. Um, it's like 360 pages
3: long. Okay, so it's not the smallest read.
2: No, no, but it's, it's, it's pretty easy to read. Okay. Um, the biggest difference is going to be he doesn't explain theological ideas very well. Not just very well, like it's not up to him. He's more like, anyway, so these people believe this in contrast to these people. Mm -hmm. Unless you know what this is, you're kind of like, okay. You're like, anyway, so these the Puritans were superlapsarians and the um, more Catholic-leaning were infralapsarianists, infralapsarianists and blah, 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 blah. And you just move on and you're like, that's cool. I'm gonna admit awesome. I don't know what those mean. Yeah, um, so it might require a little bit of a Google search every now and then, or you know, what
0: if, is superlapsarian or whatever you said it's it was predestination
2: stuff. Uh, okay, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like mm. did is the fall actively part of God's plan? Hmm. Type stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's interesting. I'm gonna
2: out myself and probably call myself a super lapsarian, but anyway.
0: Well, that's a really uh safe stance to take because nobody knows what that means.
2: <laughs> just just use big theological terms and nobody knows and what if you're, you're talking super. about.
1: That's awesome. Uh,
3: I think I'm a super as well, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which is it is. Y- you go to reform that it church. is part of his plan? Yeah.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah. Okay.
1: Before it's it's not
0: fall. like
2: it's not like reactionary. It's like this is all yeah. premeditated and planned and mm. the you get into the whole calvinistic not just Calvin deals with this but like every theological system has to deal with this to a greater or lesser degree. Infralapsarianism normally doesn't claim one way or the other. Mm. They're just like mm. we're not going to say. Mm-hmm. We can make definitive claims about other theological stuff. There's enough information to say one way or the other. Right. Regardless, plenty of that in the book. Mhm. Where so he's retelling the development of Anglican theology, and in contrast to different groups, when it you know development developed here, went back here, this kind of resurged back. Does that he just, just
0: presuppose it. you already know Anglican current theology? No, okay, not really.
2: Um, there's some of that, hmm. but I don't think it's too bad. Um, I think I don't think you would have to be super familiar with Anglicanism itself to read the book
0: although you might need to be familiar with theology. Mm. So I mean that's true of Packer's work a lot of times. Sorry, I cut you off. Oh no. Um
2: <laughs> trying to bring down the set there. Yeah,
3: I tried to break everything. Um with the book. Now I know that Anglicanism's gone through a bit of a rough patch recently. Mm-hmm. Um in that the majority of Anglicanism is not really deemed Anglican Christian as much They're not Orthodox. anymore. Yeah, and now this L- orthodox
2: oh orthodox.
3: Yeah, and now like, this orthodox Anglicanism has kind of broken away from it. As the he doesn't get into it. He doesn't. He but, lays uh, the groundwork
2: to say, and this is where some people go wrong. Right. Anyway, moving mm-hmm. on.
3: Well, I w- yeah, I was wondering based on the book, does it like it says it's a heritage, a history kind of thing. Yeah. How far does it go to the present if it doesn't talk about like the fifties? Oh, okay. Right. So, yeah. like
2: it modern Anglican stuff is not really covered. Um, yeah. Which it might be a bit of a book. shame, yeah. but yeah, I think it probably deserves to be its own thing. Um, so if you know absolutely nothing about the Church of England, Anglicanism, it's a great resource. Although it might require either you know theology already or you have a computer handy to Google some stuff.
3: You, you say it's an easy read. Is it an easy read for like a theologian or like an easy read for like the average layman to pick up and read?
2: In English, it's easy. I see. Yes. Okay. In terms of words and grammar, Packer's okay. good at making, he's a good writer. Although sometimes his, con, his concepts and stuff are more complex.
1: Right. Yeah. Hmm. His uh, quippy jokes are fun.
2: Yes. His humor bleeds through every now and then. Yeah. 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 It's pretty good and cool. he's he's pretty good about being like quite like he knows he's not being he's biased and every mm-hmm. now and then he'll like make his note of like anyway so like i agree with these people obviously cuz they're right but moving on, <laughs> right okay yeah but yeah is
3: it was it a good read
2: yeah i'll i'll put it up on the book reviews i think i'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 5 yeah okay oh josh Yes, Josh, cover,
1: cover, cover review. Oh, I mean, that's what color the color is it? The, don't, don't make fun of my disability live. <laughs> you make fun of it more than we do. Um, you're right. I'm going to say it's red. Wrong. <laughs> red out of five. It's red uh, out of five. <laughs> the, the cover I like because it's, it keeps to that old traditional style while being new and clean. Because it's part of that new, um, they've redone all of Jab Hacker stuff in the last five years with yeah. new. Crossway. Crossway's yeah. publishing them all. It's There's just, They look super nice. I've got Keeping in Step with the Spirit. Their Concise Theology one is nice. It's a dark blue. Yeah, yeah. Um, Might be purple. Um, <laughs> four I'm to five. five four to five. I'm hearing no, four no, to no. five. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of words. I'm not hearing any numbers. Um, I'm describing the cover. Uh-huh. To the audience, so that when I say it. it's four out of five, yeah, the green, means the green cover, right? Them. The green cover. Hey, Colton, who invited you?
2: <laughs>
4: wow, wow! Anyway, causing no, it's growth. four out of five.
1: Cool. Yeah, okay,
4: I, I, I agree. agree it's that. the five first what? time I've agreed with you on the cover.
0: <laughs> Four to five halos. halos.
1: Yes, four to five. Four to five. Check out our website. I mean, half a halo
0: isn't really anything, though, is it? So Josh, yes.
2: before we get into Samuel, it's been so long since we've done Samuel. There's also a lot of Samuel that we've already covered. Can you give us a review up to where
1: we are today? Yes, um, chapters one to fourteen. One to fourteen. Um, let me let me flip to it so I'm looking at it. So we started off a series on Samuel, uh, which starts off with the birth of mm-hmm. Samuel through his family his parents, Eli and Hannah, who go to the temple because they're praying because Hannah can't have a child. That's a super big problem. And there's this comparison between Eli, the high priest there, and Elimelech, Samuel's father, both fathers of families. And what ends up happening is you see Eli, who's the high priest who's supposed to be good, Mm -hmm. is not great. He's not a good man. And he doesn't parent well, and he doesn't lead well. He knows better, but he doesn't do anything about His it. His sons are stealing the glory of God. His sons are stealing the glory of God. Whereas Elo- Elimelech's son is Samuel, who ends up becoming a great priest and prophet guided by God. Yep. Um, and you see them compared. And then you see the sons compared, Samuel and Phineas and Hopney. Um and that goes into eventually you see the culmination of God's judgment on Eli's family with the Ark of the Covenant scenario where they die. And that family line dies out, except for the one nephew. Um, And then it transitions into Israel wants a king. Uh, hold on. You missed the very good, the, the super fun side quest.
0: Yeah, Ark side quest. Okay, he goes yeah. and gives a cancer to like three cities. And then the box walks itself home. And Are you going into why it's radioactive now? Uh, no, I didn't oh, say okay. why it was radioactive. I just said that it was radioactive. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I thought that's where I was. Guy. Guy. Yeah, <laughs> Caleb, well, Caleb you asked for this. You specifically said, hey, what about that radioactive side quest with Dagon where he kills another god?
2: Anyway, it's super cool, very fun.
1: Uh, you should reread that. Josh, yes. what happens? They go, like, hey, king? King, maybe? Yes. So they want a king, God. Isra- they go to Samuel? Check behind like- the barrels. Yeah, they want- with the luggage, <laughs> guys. Guys, I'm trying to get through this for the audience. They can't follow three people. We're also timeline. trying to get through this.
0: He was ahead above everyone else, which is why like you could see him behind the barrels.
1: So, the people of Israel go to Samuel because they want a king because Israel doesn't have a king, and they're still in this broken up, shattered tribal society that they're left with after judges. They're at mm-hmm. the end of that timeline. So the people, the leaders of Israel, go to Samuel, the prophet, the speaker, to God. They say, hey, tell God we want a king. Uh, Samuel says to God, hey, we want, they want a king. God says, give them a king. Don't worry, they're rejecting me. They're not rejecting you. Uh, give them a king anyways. Um, and so Samuel gets led by God to go find this kid named Saul, who's taller than hiding. everybody else. Well, not uh, yet. Not, not yet. yet. The goats happen first. Yeah. Uh the and what? he goes to this party where there's I, yes at the at a mountain in Shiloh. Uh, where you're going to describe it Party, eh? not like a. He's, he's waiting a for Saul. It's his anointment dinner. Saul doesn't know he's going there. Saul, it jumps to him, and it's, he's just working at his farm with his family, and he gets his dad's donkeys go away. Him and the servant. Go and try to find this donkey. Is it donkeys or the donkey. It is donkeys. Lee, in their search for the donkey, they arrive at the party. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and as he's going up, Saul, Samuel comes down. He says, hey, God's making you king. Kisses him on the forehead. Pours oil over his head. And then God tells Samuel, uh, Saul the right what he has to do what? to be king. Doesn't doesn't he show up at the party? They go. He's like, "Hey,
2: you should join us." And they're like, uh, "Okay." <laughs> then they join. They join. Then he's like, "I should send you home. Your donkeys are are okay." Anyway, You're- send your servant ahead. And he's
0: oh, okay. So didn't we say something in that episode where we're like? Did he steal the donkeys?
2: <laughs> well, that's one of the things later yeah. in the thing where his kingships announced to the, to everyone, yeah. right? And that's when Saul's hiding among the luggage. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why he's kind of portrayed in like a, this whole passive yeah. thing. Um when he's announcing that this is the king. Yeah, Samuel makes a big deal out of going, hey, can anyone remember a charge? Hey, can anyone say that I've done something wrong? I haven't even taken anybody's donkeys. Hey, yeah. have it's like, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So there's like a weird transactional,
1: like mm-hmm. now Saul is the leader. Yeah, Saul, so you see this comparison between mm-hmm. this transition from Samuel, the last judge, the prophet of God, the high priest into a king, the first monarch. Of Israel.
3: As a rat and it's it's described pretty radically, like all oh, yeah. of your reality will change completely
1: and the yeah. nation will change completely in taxes. Exactly. Yeah. And it's setting up Saul so he gets military victory, he does stuff that's right, he prophesies, he's like a prophet, he's filled with the whole he spirit. unifies Israel. He unifies Israel, he potentially defeats Satan. Okay that we went over in the episode. So you gotta go listen to that. It's great. He doesn't actually defeat Satan, he just defeats a guy called snake typology Satan never came back ever again exactly um and then Saul goes to battle and he kind of flusters he falls apart he's not operating properly he's making rash decisions he's trying to be good but it's always in these half attempts and it there's comparison grows between Saul and his son Jonathan and Jonathan gets up early in the morning. He gets his servant. They attack the the enemy camp from behind without telling anybody. Um, it's this wonderful story, this comparison between Saul's mm-hmm. timidness, inability, and unreliance on God. Whereas Jonathan's like, God's going to protect us. God's going to do this. God's yep. going to do that. We're going to go to war. And honey plays a big part. Yeah. yeah. We're gonna just you'll have to go listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I don't and, hear anything. And the next chapter follows the situation <laughs> where Jonathan, without knowing, disobeys a command, a rash command from his father, mm-hmm. yeah. and he's proven to be just. He didn't do anything wrong. It's fine. God said it's okay. Um, but you see this comparison between these, this rashness, this this n- unwise king, yeah, and almost
3: this, un un this. Fart, not farcical. That's the wrong his word. Fart. Yeah, <laughs> he, no, he's, yep. he's, he uh, this piety that doesn't really have anything. Any yeah, trust he's, behind he's, it.
1: he's trying to do what he thinks is right, but doesn't do what's necessary to do what's right. Yeah. Mm. He he's and going he in the right direction. Himself. He's going to he, but he he tries to do what's right to please God and blah blah blah. But he doesn't go to God. He doesn't go to Samuel. Yeah. He he always takes it into his own hands. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas Jonathan is always giving over to God, and then we see. That finally, in this chapter, we get into chapter 15 and 16, and we see David comes onto the scene for the first time, which we learn is the next king of Israel. And we see in these two chapters a comparison between Saul yeah. and David, similar to Eli and Elimelech,
4: mm-hmm.
1: Elimelech's son and Eli, Samuel and Saul, Saul and Jonathan, and it's this comparisons of what is faithfulness and righteousness and mm-hmm. obedience. And now we're going to compare Saul and David. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Now we we glazed over the last little bit And Mm -hmm. so if
2: you were reading your Bible recently And you went through 1 Samuel Like there was stuff they didn't talk about We did You can go back and listen to those episodes And there's some fun stuff in there Um, But yeah Chapter 15 and 16 That's what we're going to go through (laughs) Um,
1: Kel, take us away Yeah
2: I guess I'll read it What am I reading, Josh? What, What translation is this? NIV Yeah Cool (laughs) Okay. Uh, Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Go now, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. So Saul... Here, I'm going to get to the point. I'm going to get to to verse 8. Yeah. I think it's 8. The part where he starts to deviate from the plan. No, I'll stop there. I'll stop there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay, so he's given a commandment. Mm -hmm. There's some chinks in his armor and his, like, good kingship that's been showing through. But he's been given a command... Well, by Samuel which
3: is really from the Lord. Yeah, and it's it's not a command that was that's similar to the rest. It, it kind of is this ban on this these people, but the Amalekites were written in Deuteronomy 25 to to be destroyed because mm-hmm. they kept attacking stragglers in the one of the books I read on it, they like almost like a wolf attacks stray sheep, okay. so that they would pick off out stragglers on the the caravan that was Israel as they came from Egypt to the Promised Land. Mm. Yeah, they were attacking... Um, and because of uh, that... They were attacking
1: a people without a nation, without an army.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Easy pickings.
3: Yeah. yeah. The, and after all of yeah. the law is written in Deuteronomy, they're, they are the nation that's explicitly mentioned as I will blot his name out of the record of
2: heaven. It seems like an elevation of the, the Canaanite nations even. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're supposed to devote all those to destruction, which when you read that, like, destroy... Yeah, men, women, children, all their animals, all that kind of stuff. You're you're reading. Excuse me. You're getting flashbacks from Joshua. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like, oh, devote
1: all things to destruction for the Lord. Yeah, And and turn over to him during the judges period. Each tribe was supposed to do that for the region that they held, that they were given. Yeah, but they didn't. And now it's as commanded by God in that original command to Saul about being the king, you you now have to deliver my people because mm-hmm. you're me to them. You okay. now have to deliver my people, you have to fight their enemies and you have to yeah. you have to make them prosper right well, something something and, that
3: is interesting about uh, Deuteronomy 25 is that it says that uh, these people will be destroyed after they take the promised land.
1: Yes, yes, um, and so that, and Josh reiterates that command. Yes. And he tells them to go do that now. Mm. Now that, because Joshua took the land, took parts of each of the tribes, mm-hmm. and said, now you have to finish the right. conquest of your area, and alongside that was the command, kill the was Amalekites, it? kill the Refaim, kill the...
0: Well, I don't think it's just kill. Devote to destruction. Yeah, completely yeah. annihilate. Also, yeah. well, not completely annihilate, but like, who, who are they devoting them to? Two, it's for God it, It's very yes, specifically They're not doing it just to destroy They're doing it to yeah. devote to destruction I mean, it's straight up thi- holy this war. one. Yeah, it's yes. holy war but, yeah, but, but, th- yeah. This nation specifically is to
3: completely destroy them well, in and, Deuteronomy.
0: Oh no, it still means to completely destroy them But on the terms of God's plan Yeah, it Has nothing to do with just going to war with nations it And there's is, a
1: specific oh, not, reason No, but this given. One specifically so There's a specific reason given in that When Abraham went to the land originally when he was called to Canaan and God told him that this would be your land. He said, but not yet. The people Mm -hmm. here still have 400 years Mm -hmm. of chance to be forgiven. They can still come to me, but when they don't and your descendants come back, they will destroy them all. Yeah. It kind of gives a peek into sovereignty there. Yeah. And what he's saying is, is that they have it. And, Then God tells the Israelites when they're about to enter Egypt, when they're about to enter Israel for the first time, the descendants of Abraham, he says, you're to devote these people to destruction because they have had their chance for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. They have rejected me. They're sacrificing children on altars to evil gods, sexually immoral, all these other things. They're evil in all that they do. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: This is their judgment. It isn't a natural disaster. It isn't fire from heaven. It's you. So... And so that that's why it's not just like a it's a it's a specific type of holy war. It's located to this area. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it now before someone mm-hmm. in the comments does.
2: Um, I don't think this is the time we're going to address nope. the conquest of Canaan in its like you know mm-hmm. those are people. How does that work in mm-hmm. like an apologetic type setting? Yeah. And how should we read that? What does that mean? What does that reflect theologically? We will do an episode. Today, yeah. yeah, we will do an episode on that. Um, I can't promise when it'll come out. If I'm honest with our audience, I have two books that I know of on my shelf on the topic that I need to read. Um, but yeah, we're we're not going to mm. address that topic right here. No. However, do, I want to address that topic. Does John in the future. Walton
0: write on that? I think he does. There's a c-
2: compiled work that I know, um, Longman the Third. Temper Longman Temper Longman the third rights and I think it's a compi- like it's a compiled book I think Walton
1: mm. might be in that Yeah, regardless yeah but now Saul is being commanded to do the unfinished work Yeah. that the Israelites did not obey mm. God in doing and specifically about the Amalekites because they were a specific case because they were not in the list yeah they were outside of the region yeah and they attacked Israel and now, on their way yeah and so God add the, the, added them to the list. Hmm. Yeah. So you think there's a, a tie there between
0: God being like, "Well, this is what I did for you. I protected you against them. Now it's your king's job to
1: protect yeah. you against."
0: So you think it's it's yeah. God handing over the keys a little bit?
1: Well, he's he's specific. The key, not handing over the keys. It's the king as that mediator, Except as by God's own command, onto mm. him. In that first address, where God specifically talks to Saul, he here. I'll just go to so it. So Saul is the first pope. Is that what you're saying, there, Joel? Yeah, oh, absolutely.
0: That's exactly what was in my mind. <laughs> I associate the king of God's people with the pope, Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> and as Josh is saying, when when he
3: is crowned king, he is to protect the people, but it also comes with like the standing army and all that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and taxes. And taxes. Yep. I don't know. I love the the rise of Saul. I find it really hard. Uh, to see the downfall of Saul cuz to me it doesn't make sense I, the I, evil spirit stuff the you know I sympathize
2: with Saul probably more I than I'm supposed don't. to and here's and here's the, the other thing problem. really used to. you don't
3: not really How come? kind of, i think it's more just these episodes the more i've looked into it and the more that josh and i have talked about it, i'm starting to see that there's a bit of yeah he is kind of thrust into this role whatever he doesn't really do a good job on his own. Stop just describing me, okay? Anyway,
1: <laughs> uh Josh, what but do you got for us? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm trying to this is uh so first S- Samuel ten, uh, in the first few verses, Samuel takes the flask of oil, poured it on his head, and kissed him, and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? You shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you shall save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. Um And, oh, there was more. So that's pretty explicit, like
2: what he, but I think that has more to do with the Philistines. I don't think, this sounds more like
1: wrath than salvation. then, well, no, what I mean is, is that for the Amalekites, his, his role as king, like the, 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 him being commanded to go and do this, right? Is Israel is the, in now that they're a kingdom, right? Is the extension of God's, action into the world. Yeah. Deuteronomy's yeah. whole vassal yeah. Yeah. nation yeah. stuff. And so he, as the with the whole ethic in the ancient Near East of the kings were gods or the sons of gods, God's re-pre- represent the his representation of the king, um what his of that idea, his change is alteration of that idea in the culture, was that the king would do would would
3: act on behalf of the king
1: and uh, the god? king would act on behalf of god yeah the same way that the moses prophet would be the voice of god the, the king way, would be right. the, the justice hand. yeah of I see. god yeah and so he's supposed to protect israel's people and he's supposed to fight god's enemies yeah and so this is him in the fighting the philistines he's protecting israel's land mm-hmm. from the enemies that are invading and are in the land and by attacking the Amalekites, he's acting as God's judgment sword. Yes. Okay. And so Yeah. Hmm. Sword of judgment. That's a better way of saying sword that. Sword of judgment. Sword of judgment. Do and not-
0: so when he acts in priestly roles, which we'll get into,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is that a violation of his station then?
1: Which what? is you could go that way, but it would I would say like just go the way the text says, which is he wasn't supposed to because God said Samuel would do it. Mm. No. Yeah. Okay. But there is definitely that connection. there. There's still that bifurcation of yeah. the roles that the yeah. prophet priest and the king prophet play.
3: Yeah. I think that the the book of Kings gets and Chronicles get a lot, well, more kings get into that. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, whatever his name is, sacrifices in the temple. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which uh, king it is, but yeah. Well,
0: priest kings would have been like culturally the norm. Yeah. Which is why, to me, like the more I read on ancient Near East culture, the more I'm like, it's kind of, it it seems almost like syncretism would be a reason that Saul would think he's even allowed to be offering sacrifices in the first Uh, place. Um, Right? That it would have been an influence of outside culture. But he he is the king, he's allowed to do whatever.
2: Kind of. But I think also it's back to the text, verse four. So Saul summoned the men. And mustered them at Telemah. Two thousand sorry, two hundred thousand foot soldiers and ten thousand from Judah. Saul went to the city of Elimek and set ambush in the ravine. Then he said to the Ken- Kenites, Go away, leave the Amalekites, so that I do not destroy you among destroy you along with them. For you showed kindness to all the Israelites when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. Good move. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Hava to Shur, near the boundary, eastern boundary of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all of his people he totally destroyed to the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fatted calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely." But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. That's up to mm-hmm. verse nine. I don't think that's what God
3: told him to do. No. Uh, yeah, that's not.
0: Yeah, so much of, of Samuel is just, and he told them not to, and then immediately they did. Well, it's kind of absolutely. like Judges. But yeah, it's kind but of a whole not, Bible.
1: He's only really messed up twice so mm. far. He's only messed up with the rash vow and. Mm-hmm. Uh, not going to God properly in the fight. Um in the previous war with the Philistines, which Jonathan right, and takes. The over. Sacrifice. But those are like yeah. kind yeah. of like
2: pat like foolish things. Yeah. This is an explicit not doing yes. what God told him to do. Yeah. Yes.
0: And also explicitly him in the role of king. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's not just I guess he was in the vow as well. Maybe I'm stepping in and saying that, but
1: now he does obey God in going to war mm-hmm. and he does defeat them. Yeah, it's what happens after. They also defeat them in a ravine, which to me is like, if you're a fortified city, how do you defeat somebody in a ravine? I think. Push them. (laughs) One of our teachers made this really good point. Um, After God destroys Jericho's walls, when they try to hold into the city, in the rest of the fights, none of the nations fight Israel inside their cities.
4: Mm. Mm.
1: That is true. That's right. I remember this now. Yeah. Yeah, Because K.I. is like, let's not... Do that again. Or let's not yeah. follow that plan. Because yeah. or you see all of the kings muster up yeah, the, in war the and Jerusalem then fight coalition, yeah. Yeah. And so you see this uh um this basically like they see that God can decimate walls, which would usually extend a war to like five, ten years mm-hmm. um with a city, and then he just twists the fighting system. The normal way of battle with Israel. Changes and for everybody else. Colton, who are the Kenites? Give me a bio on the
3: Kenites, please. Uh, kind of mid. The sons the sons of Ken. <laughs> sons of Ken. Interesting. No, um, the Kenites oh, no. probably are the family of the Midianites, or at least associated with the family of the Midianites. And we know about that from Jethro. Jer- yeah, sorry, not Jericho, Jethro. Jethro is the uh, father-in-law of Moses, who is described as both a, uh, the Midianite. In Exodus, but also as a uh, as a Kenite in other parts of the Bible. Mm. So they were not part of those oppressive, you know.
0: Well, I think there's something cool there because aren't the Kenites the one who build Jerusalem, which is then taken over by Solomon? Is yeah. that right? David. Yeah, Jerusalem was a Kenite city before da- David. Yeah, David takes it. Yeah. but I think I'm right in saying that, which I is kind of cool
1: because, or is it the, the Google. Jebusites? It's, I think it's Jebusites. Uh, I think it it's Jebusites? Jebusites. Yeah, I think so. I think that's where it gets its...
0: Big, okay, well, then I'm going to go from a different angle here. Uh, <laughs> so the Jebusites. Yeah, no, the Midianites would still be Good. pretty close uh, relations to Abraham that existed outside of Egypt while they were in exile, the yes. whole thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Or while they were in slavery. Yeah. Which is why Jethro... It kind of alludes that Jethro worships God. Yeah, in a weird yeah. way. It's not
2: explicitly Jebusites, said. It's kind of yeah. like—is
0: it Jebusites?
1: Yeah. My uh,
2: goodness. Sorry, man. Sorry.
0: I feel like it was only yesterday.
1: <laughs> the, the siege of Jerusalem <laughs> in so, 70 AD honestly, or before. There's very frequent which, sieges of on Jerusalem. Yeah. But yeah. So back to the passage. He takes Agag the king, and he takes the the plunder. Mm-hmm. The two things you would do as a king is you would probably take the leader of another nation to either as like a power move to other nations, send a signal. Or or, show it to your own people. Yeah. Look what I've done. I have the king of another nation under my control. And then taking the plunder is super important because when you, in those times, when you would go and take over a nation, there were sacrifices, (sighs) but also when you take, when you go to war, it takes a lot of resources it takes a lot of resources to go to war and a lot of these people as the reward for going to war. A lot of the soldiers get to take stuff with them back. Yep. Plunder. Yes, it's looting. Yeah. yeah. Um, because that's it, how you would pay them. I call it a good wage. Yeah. Because it's that's an easy way to pay them is yeah. if you live, <laughs> you get the stuff. Hmm. Um, so. We'll yeah.
2: get into Saul's possible motivations when he starts giving some excuses. We'll cover
3: that then. Yep. And but they not his justified they're justified. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Either
2: way, the text there does make a big distinction. They spared the fatted, the good. Yep. What was good. And then they devoted
1: to destruction the weak. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And devoted to the Lord. And it says worthless. What's interesting is worthless is the word uh raw, which is also the word for evil. And so it's they they kept the good and left the worthless. Hmm. They kept the tov, the the word for good, yep, yeah, which is the same as there's there's a big parallel in Old Testament stories of that comparison.
3: Yeah, 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 and even in the law where you give the best to God and you like as yeah. sacrifice kind of thing. Yeah, which might be what Saul was doing, but we'll get into it. Mm-hmm. So
2: Samuel gets into this, mm-hmm. but. God tells him when the word of the Lord came to Samuel, this is starting in verse 10, when the word of the Lord came to Samuel, sorry, then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. Third Mm -hmm. time's a charm. I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told Saul has gone to Carmel. There, he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. little comment on there before we get the big Saul-Samuel
1: clash. Mm-hmm. Um, Samuel's a good guy. <laughs> yes. The rest of the book portrayed that really well as we got over it, but just just the fact that the Lord sends a little private message... To Samuel. A PM. A, you know, where oh he's just God. like, hey, this, like, I told you Saul was going to go bad. I just wanted to confirm <laughs> that it has gone bad. This is it.
2: This is it. <laughs> um, Robert Alter, who does yeah. a couple Old Testament um, translations, kind of commentary stuff, and yeah. some stuff in um, hermeneutics, kind of, mm-hmm. um, he makes kind of a big deal out of how Samuel's displeasure Is depicted vaguely Mm -hmm. Um, And it starts off Angry and then as we'll get into it In chapter 16 then he asks Samuel right at the beginning he's like why are you moping around About Saul (laughs) And so it appears as though Saul Was like kind of maybe emotionally invested in like, okay, so there's this different system than the judges now. There's not just going to be this bad cycle of <laughs> yeah. horrible, we run we run away from God, everything goes bad, and then the judge comes to deliverance, and we run away from God, it goes bad, cycle of just yeah. perpetual sin. And then it's, oh, hey, the king, it's good, things are going to be different, and pff,
1: nope. Yeah. Yep. And yep. Samuel cried to the Lord all night. What a, that's such a like... It's such an odd intro, like, insert into that passage. Like, it's not just that he's angry. It's that he's like, he's, he's so sad that it's happening.
0: Seems like he's pained that the cycle's continuing. Yeah. I think that's the big part of it is that he, yeah. Well,
1: because he saw Eli rule this way. Mm -hmm. Right. He saw Eli's sons rule this way. He's seeing his sons. He's seeing his sons do it, and now he's seeing the new king that was anointed by God. The Spirit of God rushed
2: on him, and he was able to unify all the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He has the Spirit of God on him.
1: Yeah.
3: It's the like... But we also know that Samuel doesn't believe that God's fickle-minded, as he talks about later. It's not like he's angry at God for changing his mind.
1: No, no. He's angry at the situation. It's just like,
3: why is this continuing? But he...
1: but there's a, that interesting note that, it, like with Job and like with Psalm 88, where in his distress, he's going to God. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, like that's where he cries. He doesn't cry alone. He doesn't cry at his home. He cries with the Lord all night. That's just wild.
4: Hmm.
3: Yeah, it depends why he's angry. and Like yeah. you said, the book is sort of vague
2: mm-hmm. about yeah. it, but... Robert Alter makes it into a big deal. I don't think it's a big deal, but yeah. it's, it is kind of Baker funny
1: Hamilton that he
3: does. does sort of as well. Yeah. And Which the, is funny.
1: Cause I like both of them. <laughs> we talked about this before, but we're not gonna get too deep into it, but there is a, that phrase I regret that I have made Saul King. The last yeah. time that phrase was used was in Noah. Mm-hmm. Like this is a, this is a harsh response from God. Yeah. It's the exact same verbiage. Yeah. It's the exact same verbiage. And God's response to that was flooding the earth.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but, right. Yeah, I think it's 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 yeah. a depiction of displeasure and of sin, I think a bit.
1: But yeah. of a there there it is so much more there's so much more it is so much more when you use that phrase. Yeah. That it's it's somehow total mm-hmm. in its response. Yeah, the immutable god regrets Yeah. Okay. It's the same thing of the God who knows everything says, I never knew you when you die. Yeah. It's like the, that, what does that mean? I know you can't do that, (laughs) but like, what does that mean about me? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, go. Yeah. Um, Confrontation. It's going to happen. Actually before that, it is also interesting that it's just like, anyway, so he made a, uh, he made uh, his own monument yeah. in his honor on Mount
1: Carmel, yeah. and and now he's go- gone down to Gilgal.
2: What? Why well, would
1: he, why would he do that? Well, no, 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 we saw this before with Eli's sons. Mm-hmm. They they're stealing my glory. Mm-hmm. They're consuming my glory. They're they're doing it for themselves rather than for me.
2: And the same fat narrative even
1: continues yeah. on.
0: Yeah,
2: the fatted calf is not given to God for destruction. It's yeah. retained. Yeah. yeah,
0: only the worthless, yeah.
2: He's doing the exact same thing. Verse 13. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, Bless, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. Mm. Mm-hmm. But Samuel said, What then is this bleating of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, The soldiers brought them up from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Mm -hmm. But we totally destroyed the rest. (laughs) That doesn't sound like that. We totally did, bro. Yeah. No, we totally destroyed the rest. (laughs) And Sam's response, enough.
0: I like that Samuel is like kind of confronted with Hey, we killed everything. And he goes, Well then what are all
4: these (laughs) What do you mean you killed everything? I can
1: still hear them. (laughs) Then then what is the it's it's as if he has his hand up to his ear and he's like leaning in. he says, "Then what's the noise I hear?" Yeah, and a sheep walks in front
2: of him <laughs> as he's talking. It, yeah. it seems like the most human interaction. It literally is. So we did the thing, but and then he looks as a sheep crosses. Clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Here's the reason why. But we totally did everything else. We did. We followed the instruction to the T, save for the part that we didn't. And then yeah. his. And then. <laughs> Samuel's response in 16, enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord has said to me last night. It was just kind of like a little bit of backhand. Just
3: pff, shut up. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Now,
3: yeah. when it when it comes to him sparing them for sacrifice, is technically that, speaking, in the law that is allowed. But here's the thing. Except that's not what the commands Samuel gave Saul was.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Also. Is it him?
2: Is it the troops that kind of got carried away and he didn't really lead the troops properly? Yep. Some commentators go back and
1: forth. And he specifies, Saul specifies his own words, the men took them. I didn't command to take them for sacrifice. He was afraid of them specifically. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that idea of the men, the men were the ones that took the animals. I didn't take them in the purpose of doing a sacrifice. But... Just earlier, it says, even if the, not the animals, yeah, egg egg. Yes,
2: Saul spares egg egg.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, that one is kind of the well, unless well he's also planning the sacrifice agog. Yeah. Agog is the uh, whatever I've heard the uh, U version Bible, the guy pronounced it. I don't know if that's right, I just like how he says it. Agog, agog, I think it'll be agog,
0: right?
2: Yeah, probably. I like I saying egg egg,
0: anyways. Um. So do you think that him sparing, sparing the king, God already spared this king once, or like this na- this nation, He's mm-hmm. already spared them once. Um, so I don't know. That ties in somewhere, right? Like where He's taking God's place, essentially judging that they can live for just a little bit longer.
1: Well, um, it's it's well, He de- He destroys all the people. Well, most except, except for the one. king. For, yeah, yeah. Well.
0: well
3: it it kind of like lightly gets into what we talked about in the previous episodes. But that's interesting. It's the almost false piety kind Mm -hmm. of uh, Mm -hmm. way where he doesn't like the Lord, your God, there's that repeat of the wording. Yeah. And
2: the thing is too, it makes me wonder not to get into biblical criticism, just uh break down here. Is that what he said? Or is that the narrator saying, Anyway, so this is where Paul's not Paul. Saul is not following along in the same path as Samuel. Mm-hmm. He well, is out of line. He is not part of actually following
3: Yahweh. Well, in what uh, Victor P. Hamilton gets into in the book a little bit, uh, handbook on the historical books, which I read partially for this, um, is that yes, he does these things, yes, whatever. And why Why exactly does he disobey uh, if he's following it perfectly kind of thing, if he's still doing everything properly? Because like I said, in the law, you can set aside things that are dedicated for God for the Levites or for sacrifice um, to God, because it's just another roundabout way of doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah. The problem is, is it's, it's a misapplication. Like it's a,
2: it's like a loophole well, thing. It,
3: it wouldn't be here because uh, the, the issue is that Samuel explicitly tells Saul not to spare anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it Like to destroy everyone, mm-hmm. not spare anything. Um, and it seems, at least from what I can see, is that that is the part that Saul breaks. Not, the, uh, not because he finds these loopholes, although they are loopholes to look more pious probably, is that he does... Um, he he rejects uh, Samuel's specific instruction to destroy everything
4: mm-hmm.
3: not yeah. just dedicate to God but to destroy it hmm. to put it
2: to death so verse 16 i'll mm-hmm. reread it enough Samuel said to Saul let me tell you what the lord told me last night tell me Saul replied <laughs> Samuel said although you were once small in your own eyes Did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission, saying, Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pronounce, why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? And Saul's response in verse 20, but I did obey the Lord said uh, Saul said I went on the mission the Lord assigned to me I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag their king the soldiers took the sheep and the cattle from the plunder the best of what was devoted to to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at G- Gilgal sorry mm-hmm. but Samuel replied does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is to better th- is is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divinization, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has
3: rejected you as king. Bam you're out and go. Mm-hmm.
0: Next player. <laughs> yep. Man, that that's I like how he starts it off with like, Hey, do you remember that you didn't make you king, right? <laughs> like do you remember you that it was nothing, nothing you did. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Remember you didn't think very little, very big of yourself. Mm-hmm. You you hit amongst the luggage. Yeah. yeah. You tried mm-hmm. to not be king.
0: Now you're making yeah. monuments of yourself on Mount
1: Carmel. Come on. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's like God gave you everything, but you couldn't give God everything, kind of a
1: thing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm.
0: No, that's it's interesting.
1: And it's that specification of Saul tries to argue, "I'm allowed, I, what I'm doing is specified in the law," which means he learned from the last time in reading the law, which he was the lesson he didn't learn Maybe, previously.
2: I don't know. I'm not super satisfied with those answers because it does it presupposes. That he should know what he's doing, and I think he's just making excuses. Not, I don't, I don't no, no, think but, that he's innocent in it. No, 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 like, I don't think he's, he's innocent. or he's a fool. By no, it. no,
1: no, I don't think he's innocent. I mean that he's, because the sin isn't in the 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 point that I'm making is not that he sinned. Let me start over. The one of the last thing he did was he didn't read part of the King's rules in yep. Deuteronomy of the Vicus is that he has to read the law mm-hmm. constantly and the commands of what he's supposed to do. It's supposed to have a specific copy himself um, so that he could read it constantly. And in the last case where he went wrong, it was, be, it specifies that he didn't understand. He didn't know he wasn't keeping up. Whereas in this one, he specifically reads out the law that he's doing and, but he's still using now that law as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so it's in that same vein of, uh, it's, it's 80%. It's half measures. You didn't do the thing you were commanded to do. Like Saul says, you didn't go the way. And he's using laws and rules, previous commands and trying to find a way out mm. of what he did wrong. Yeah. When he's faced well, with it. Well, it's,
3: all, it's almost like the reason he spared, well, we'll get into it. The reason he spared the best of the best is so that if he does get caught, then he can sacrifice, he can sacrifice them and be like, look, see, I did the thing anyways. Um, mm-hmm. Because he does give the excuse later that he did it for the men rather yeah. than for God. Because uh, he feared the men he, and not because he wanted to sacrifice them to God. Mm-hmm. That's the, the first real justification. Reason. Yeah. Yeah. So he's trying to
2: weasel his way out. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But now that he's confronted, hey, the Lord has rejected you as king. Verse 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instruction. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm going to keep going because it's still kind of in the same. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe and he tore it. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors. To one better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. Mm -hmm. So Saul replied, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel went back with Saul and Saul worshiped the Lord. Hmm. Interesting. It almost—so there's two instances where Samuel—where Saul—well, Saul asked for grace, right? Samuel says no. Saul goes, hey, let us worship together. Come back with me. Let me—let us worship. And the first time, there's almost like a genuine, I'll worship with you. I will return so that yep. it's our God again. Mm-hmm. But the second time, it yeah, so maintains that
1: your God type. Hmm. It's the— tone. It's, uh, the way Saul is talking is like a doomed man begging for one more chance. Yeah.
3: Yes. It yes. also possibly, at least to me, betrays the reason for keeping the people in the first place and the oh, things he'd done before. Absolutely. It's for the attention of the people and the elders for honor rather than... Mm-hmm. Because that's the excuse it gives is that so that I may look good in front of the people, basically, and I may be honored in front of the people rather than. uh, Yeah.
4: Oh, because I want to be
3: reconciled to God. He
1: specifies, right? He specifies, I was afraid of the men. Right. And in the last passage, it's he does the sacrifice because he sees his army leaving and the army is waiting there that he has to attack. They're about to invade. And so he's afraid that he's going to lose because he's losing his men. Mm. And so he makes the sacrifice because Samuel's late. His men are leaving because they're terrified. And he's like, even if we do this, I don't think we're going to win because he feared his men in the situation more than God. Yeah. And there's that whole idea of the fear of the Lord is beginning of the wisdom. Be a God fearer, not a fear of man. Look for the glory from God, not for the glory from men. Yeah. And Saul's making the wrong choice. Yeah.
3: I don't even know if I buy that Saul actually did fear the men as much as it was like another excuse. I don't know. That's the thing.
1: Uh, Yeah. Well, even if it's, it's, even if he wants the glory, the, the fear he might be talking about is the fear of losing the honor. If I don't do this, Mm. like it's there, there's a coupling of the fear and the glory from men. The, the fear of men and the glory of men from men, praise from men, right? Who do you want praise from? Do you want it from men or God? I think there's also like, a, there's a there's, shifting of
2: from excuse to excuse from worry yeah. to worry. It feels, I don't know, at least reminiscent of moments of weakness when it's like, you don't even really know the reason of why you mm-hmm. justify sin. When it's exposed, you ask for grace, but like, Kind of, eh, only because it's costing you now. Yeah. Right. You try to justify it, right? Mm-hmm. But, mm. yeah. But, there's, but what's the real motivation? Who knows anymore? It's all obfuscated.
1: Yeah. It's just sin. Yeah. It's scrambling <laughs> Yeah. in darkness.
3: <laughs> Very lighthearted.
2: Yeah. Anyway, so now all things are happy. Um, <laughs> Then Samuel said verse 20 verse 32 Then Samuel said bring me Agag king of the Amal- Amalekites Agag came to him in chains and he thought surely the bitterness of death is past smug face ooh this is this is, yeah. mm. But Samuel said as your swords made women ch- childless so will your mother be childless among women Dope line. It's horrifying. It's cool. Yeah, you Samuel- killed all
3: these all these men. Now you're going to be dead for your mum. <laughs> yeah.
0: Wild these games of Game of Thrones. Ask you know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and Samuel put Agag to death before the Lord at Gilgal. Then Samuel sat, left for Ra Sorry, <clears throat> for Ramah, but Saul went up to his home in Gilba. Sorry, <clears throat> Gilgal. Um, of Saul until the until the day Samuel died he did not go to see Saul again though Saul mourned for him and the Lord rejected that he had made sorry and the Lord yeah regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel Mm. Mm -hmm.
3: regret here is like sorry or literally to repent
2: yeah. But the Old Testament used that, uses that word rather yes. loosely. It's worth pointing out. Um, mm-hmm. It's, I, I guess that's one of the reasons why I always feel sympathy for Saul, because yeah. he lacks the strength to follow God's word, right.
0: I, I don't know. I don't know. But it's, so do I. Yeah, but, right, yeah, but, but so, so do I. Kind of and it's it, just yeah. like
2: the yeah, but he throws himself upon the mercy of God, but hey man, no.
1: But it's 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 like but so do I. <laughs> but it's it's a it's a it's almost it's along the same lines of first John of the he's not repenting. He when he when he goes to God, hmm. he's mm-hmm. begging for moments he's begging for punishment to not come he's not begging for a chance to be better yes yeah and that's the difference he's continuing in sin he's not repenting
2: yeah but i think it especially after judgment has been cast those Mm -hmm. two things look so similar yeah they feel so similar even yeah so it's like yeah i I don't know
3: i guess that's that's no i I understand um yeah i i think it is a little different with sam with not samuel with saul uh because yes you have that but to be fair, almost everybody has gone through that. Yeah. Do the we see Saul as a tragic character? I don't see Saul as a tragic character, no. I do.
1: I see him because he's, I used the, first, he's the first king. Um, no, People in Israel have not had to be in his situation. The only one is Moses and Joshua. Um, and those yeah. were for short periods of time um, for a specific goal. And then their job was over. Or in Moses' case, he died um, but the Saul's the first king. This is a this is a he's the we we all go like David is the prototype or like the first like really good king and it's from his line, but but Saul is the test case. They're barely even a king. Like his house, his well, they still extremely tri- tribal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His palace is mm-hmm. still a tent, and by the end of his reign, it's probably a house the size of a normal two bedroom house. Like hmm. he has to go all the way to Gibeah to go to his house.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Like it's, he's, and he sees the world around him. He always gives me the
2: impression of an pe- extremely passive person. Reactionary in most ways. Yep. Hmm. Action is not his thing. And when he does act, he does it wrong. Mm-hmm. And so he chooses to be passive.
3: Right.
1: He didn't want the job; it was thrusted upon him. Yeah. And the response is, "He should like God's command to Job: put your pants on, stand up, let's do this. <laughs> like you've been called to action. Mm-hmm. Let's go." I I think right.
3: Yeah, I think the re- but he's not. Yeah, I I think the reason I see Saul is less of a because I'm not going to be cold hearted and just say yeah he just did bad and whatever because yeah I'll, I'll, he's human he's done bad but it seems that when he does fail, yes, they seem fairly minor and like he is forgiven kind of at times for the things like he's allowed to continue as King. It's this one that kind of makes him not King anymore. So the things he does are for himself. He coerces a situation to work out for his favor, to make himself look either more pious or, or like the King that he's supposed to be stuff like that. And he doesn't actually trust God.
1: Yes. But the diff, the, as we'll get in with David, the only difference between Saul and David is what they do after they sin.
4: Mm-hmm. Hmm. The, um, I, disagree, actually, I disagree with that.
3: No, <laughs> oh, maybe. Hang on. Saul <laughs> yeah. does not trust in God before doing something. Yes, but Unlike when David Jonathan sins, or he David.
1: doesn't trust God. He's, con- yeah, when he, when he he's constantly, constantly... the. But Saul
3: is not described at all it, as doing something good for the for God, at yeah, the, the beginning of his life. Yeah, the beginning of his kingdom. He does good all the time when he when when the Spirit rushes
2: upon him and he brings out Israel yeah. as one man to fight against it's, the serpent in the wilderness. It's when he sins. <laughs> oh he, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's, he, yeah. It's, that's when true. when he sins. Uh, like I mentioned before, it's instead of that continuing to sin because he's asking for mercy to just for one more moment, he's not at he's not asking for mercy to repent whereas David immediately goes to God after after the sin is faced against him. Right. And so the yeah. only the only real difference is as God specifies where his heart is directed. There might be does there might just be also a personal aspect of
2: the religion regarding Samuel versus David. Right? Mm-hmm. David immediately uh, like interprets things very personally in his religious life. Mm-hmm. Whereas Saul is far more, okay, we do the sacrifice, then this happens. Yes. The religion yeah, yeah. is exterior. It's it's yeah. it's the cultural thing. That's why Samuel's yeah. here. Um, but with Saul, it's no, this is, with Samuel, not, uh, with David, it is always, that is his God. Yes. Yeah. And if he fails him, it is, he yeah. still failed his God. It's not your
1: God or the people's yeah. God or.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Josh, do you want to t- take over
1: for yeah. chapter 16? Chapter 16. So this is now David is coming out to the scene and we are seeing now the second monarch get brought up. God has rejected Saul and he's now bringing up David. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? Saul hears that he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said do you come peaceably (laughs) and he said peaceably i have come to sacrifice to the lord consecrate yourselves and come with me to sacrifice he consecrated jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice
2: it is kind of interesting that this is just a low moment in israel's history right especially during Mm -hmm. everything that's happening And then Samuel's just, oh, man, this sucks. God's like, hey, come on. I got a plan. Let's go. Come on. Yeah. I mean,
1: I told you this was going to (laughs) happen.
3: Let's let's go. Next step. So why is it that the uh, people of the town were so afraid
1: of Samuel? Did they think that some plague was going to come upon them? No, I think because they were now entering a place where Samuel had rejected the king of Israel. As the king, and the people know that that now Samuel is acting as the voice of God in judgment, and so they're afraid that if he comes to the town, it's because they've done something, or because something that the king has done in that town, or yeah, yeah, sure. But to the people, they
3: don't know that Saul's not king anymore.
2: Didn't Samuel just hack? He went with Saul.
1: Yeah, yeah, didn't you? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Samuel's not the. Samuel has transitioned in his approach in life yeah, in, in verse, uh,
2: the previous, the previous chapter, verse 33 in the ESV, I assume that's what you're holding. Does it say anything about that? It
1: doesn't in the NIV. Um, what did he hack him? For? Yes. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't say that in the NIV. Well, no. And the reason, part of the reason for that is because, uh, to go to your sacrifice point, um, That's, that's what you do.
3: Well, yeah, I don't think Samuel, uh, like, I does say that he did kill him before the Lord, which is similar wording to. And devoting to destruction.
1: Regardless. (laughs) But Samuel's scary. Yes. Yes. He's old. Which. Yeah. And he's the prophet. Like this is, he speaks for God when, when he crowned uh, Saul in front of the people, there was that whole thing. Yeah. It was, it was not a fun event. Yeah, and the, the Lord, stuff with the rain. He specifically tells the people, you rejected God. This is on you. Yep. <laughs> right. And so when, and then he just came from killing egg, egg, rejecting the king. Saul's probably not happy. As he said, Saul's probably going to try to kill me if he finds out. Yeah. So, yeah. People are on edge. This is not a good time in Israel. Yeah. The king's making bad choices. Yeah, but they they don't know that the god has rejected
3: Saul. Yeah, because they went back together. Yeah, because they went back together.
4: And they honored. There's no proof that that they don't know yet.
3: Also, No, it is because they
4: they go back
2: together. That's the whole idea is they've been honored. So they can honor before the elders. The elders. Mm -hmm. He maintains the the position in the eyes and like the function
4: of Mm. Israel.
3: And they worship God together.
0: Fair
1: enough. Is there? Yes. Um, yeah, so they go and do the, they get ready for the sacrifice and they go to the sacrifice and Jesse's amongst them, potentially because he's one of the elders in the town because he's got a big mm-hmm. family and he's important. Um, we did an episode on Ruth. We did. People read the end of there. Jesse is the descendant of Boaz. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's where we're at, is now we're seeing Ruth, what we did before, connect into the Samuel story, yeah. about how God was already preparing for David
4: mm-hmm.
1: before Saul was king, before any of the people here were alive. Um, and so we get into this next part. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, for I have rejected him. Uh, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, these remains, there remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, and he will not sit down till he comes here. And he went. We're all going to
3: stand here until he comes.
1: Yeah. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah.
2: Mm-hmm. Same thing that happened with...
1: Saul. Guy opens the door, <clears throat> the prophet of God is in your living room, mm-hmm. and just pours oil on your head. <laughs> You're gonna Show be me your hottest
0: kid. <laughs>
2: Oh, oh, oh. I mean it is kind of <laughs> interesting that it's like, hey, I'm here to do a sacrifice. Where are we going to do the sacrifice? No, I need to see all your kids. <laughs> okay, is there another one? Yeah, I guess so. How? For why men. are you not? You're exactly- king now. What? That should be Jesse.
4: Well, <laughs> it's,
1: it's another dupe, right? It's just like Saul's going to go find his donkey, right? Mm-hmm. And then Saul's like, I didn't steal anyone's donkey. Samuel's like, I didn't steal anyone's doggy, right? And he like kind of like Saul goes on this journey and gets duped into becoming king, like on this mm, I path. Love it. And then Samuel, the same thing. Hey, we're going to make a sacrifice. Where? In your living room. Just wait a moment. Yeah, everyone has to steal your can. There is one
3: thing. Uh, well, there's quite a few. There's a lot happening here. But um, do you think the reason why... The seven were shown before Samuel before, like, what's the significance for it? But is it to test Samuel to see if you'll pick one of them and listen or listen to God? Because why, why show the seven and be like, okay, yeah, but there's another one that's away. Probably probably was too young. Well, yeah, but no, 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 I I understand. So is, is it a literal or is, is there some kind of meaning behind the, behind it? Rather than just, this is just what happened.
4: Mm-mm.
3: Why wouldn't Jesse bring his other son in?
1: I, well, it specifically goes after, he specifically goes to Samuel makes a judgment himself for the, like mm. one of the few times where you see him go, this is it puts his opinion into the mix. Because with the whole thing with Saul, when the, the people are like, we want a king, blah, 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 blah Samuel doesn't talk. He's just saying what the, God said to the people, and then the people said to God. And this time, he's like, oh, this guy's going to be king. And it's specifically for the reason Saul was chosen, because he's tall
4: mm-hmm.
1: and old and looks like a king. Mm-hmm. And so I think Samuel is making the same mistake. We're, we're seeing later on in the text that Samuel saw the same thing in Saul for why he should be king. Yep. Originally because he was tall, taller than everybody else. He was physically imposing. He looked like a king should,
4: Mm.
1: right? And you didn't see that earlier on in the text, but now we're seeing, oh, he thought the same thing about a king. And so he's specifically showing uh, Samuel, no, this guy, the guy I chose that nobody asked for is going to be way different. Sure. Yeah. Then in, uh, it's,
2: it's just reinforcing that yeah. God looks at the heart. Yeah.
1: And, and
3: then, yeah. re- yes. And in rereading uh, the text, I do admit I had a, so yeah. they're all standing and getting ready for the sacrifice and all that. Um, and he's introducing his sons one by one, leading them through the door to come in. Uh, it's not, it's the way that I've had to explain to me, usually by youth pastors or whatever, is that Samuel lines them up, judges them. And it's like, oh, there's one missing. It, it, no, it, they seem to be just walking through the door.
2: Well, he does also just show up at Jesse's house and is like, "All right, here we go." Yeah. Like, okay, where's all your kids? I'll go get them. Yep. And then they come in one by one. Nope. 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 Is there anybody left? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's yeah, one he's more young. left. Yeah. He's
1: yeah. The youngest out there. Yeah. There's a. Do you think like it specifies that he's beautiful, but it specifies also that his eyes are beautiful? And he's healthy. Yeah, but it specifies his eyes, right? Do you think? There's a there's a comparison there between Saul and David where before it was all about what people saw in eyes were looking at when they saw Saul my, versus my David's eyes. Doesn't talk about eyes. Yeah, so it's the same thing with uh, Leah where it says she has soft eyes, where it's not saying that she's blind. It's it's a description of uh, beauty. Eyes were a yep. description of beauty in that time. So sometimes, like I think in here when it describes beauty it's describing their eyes um right so as a as a marker of beauty yeah he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome okay um, he's a mountain man yes uh, yeah but do you think there's a do you think there's like a comparative thing there where it's with Saul it was what people saw in him Baby. versus what he sees
2: that's that's already a theme being played with yeah so sure I'd, I'd have to think about it more and do a little bit more research, but it's already a theme that's being played with there.
1: Yeah. He's the youngest. It's following the same path of like Jacob and yeah. Uh, Isaac.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Do you think yeah. there's anything to be said about him it inverting the blessing from the oldest to the youngest?
1: I think it's a mm. pattern that God does of picking the younger, not the one that people think should go. Yeah.
0: Mm.
2: Subversion. Well, yeah. to show God was that was doing it before Disney.
1: Yes. Yeah. There you
0: go. <laughs> to show that man's wisdom is not the same as, yeah. as God's wisdom. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay.
1: Yep. Yeah. And along the lines of like that, this guy is king because I've chosen him, not because he's ready or tall or strong or.
3: Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you could do a whole yeah. deep dive into whether or not it's to subvert like the cultural norms of those who inherit and those who deserve rather than those who God chooses best for the job. Because if you pick the oldest, it's the person who will lead the family and will inherit mm. it. Whereas you, if you pick a younger one, it's one of the lesser sons, that kind of yeah. thing. And yeah. so God isn't choosing the person based off of inheritance or what they deserve in the culture kind of thing, but the person he chooses. Yep. It's it's just the instead. whole God sees the heart.
1: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um,
0: and God knows he beat up a bear recently.
1: Yes. And a lion. Oh, um, a lion. And so it specifies at the end, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Cool.
4: Huh.
1: That's the same so cool. as Saul.
2: Kind of. This one ha- indicates a continual thing, mm-hmm. which is not emphasized with Saul. But Saul and David interact yes. without Saul knowing that he's future king.
1: Yes. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul.
0: Like a wacky, sick cop.
1: Yeah.
3: It's it's actually an interesting like parallel thing here where um the spirit of the Lord came upon David and then it does say that it had departed from Saul, but it doesn't say when specifically. Yeah. Yep. Um, and a
1: harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. Uh, yes. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold, now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well.
0: What does that mean? That's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. What is an evil spirit from the Lord? Depression.
2: Is it, is it just <laughs> it's sad? Schizophrenia. It's, it's the big sad. I Maybe.
3: Okay, I've I, seen people say schizophrenia. Really? I, yeah, I disagree with it. But well, I've heard of people uh, say Can
1: it. I pose a no. proposition? Or, Joel, you were about to say something. You go first. I was just going
0: to say I'm super resistant to people just throwing mental health stuff into yeah. the no. Bible. Yeah. I think, it's, physical health? I
1: think it's the same thing as Pharaoh and Romans 1, where it's God is giving him over to his yeah. evil but heart.
2: But here's the thing. The text would indicate more so God sent a spirit that messes with them. Yes. But you're right. It is,
3: It is abated. Simply by music, mm-hmm. yes. I I have also seen people talking about it because I know this isn't the, the what the script says, but a lot of people do hold to this idea is that um, Saul went crazy when the spirit of God departed from him. Kind of yeah. thing.
0: I don't know if you guys have heard that. No, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then went crazy. Like again, if you say it's schizophrenia, that is incredibly reductive. Um, and doesn't reflect what the text says. It's well, just- schizophrenia, maybe, but is that
3: idea? Could that be part of what they're talking yeah. about here? Is that because the spirit of God left him, he goes insane? I think. I think there also should be a distinction before we start making claims like this. Sure,
2: there is a distinction of what the text says and how the Israelites understood it versus us trying to recreate and read into it to see what "quote unquote" actually happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're not going to go, I ah, went, he went crazy. Cuckoo with the schizo. No.
0: Yeah. I don't know if we're allowed to say that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, no. We need a little bit of comedy in here. All right. Yeah. No. That's not
1: comedy. Man. So well, why don't we finish just up to <laughs> chapter 17, like finish That's chapter right. 16, and then we'll probably get more on this. we we'll get canceled. So Saul said That's... to the servants, provide me a man who can play well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech and a man of good presence. And the Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them to David, his son, to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service and Saul loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer and Saul sent to Jesse saying, let David remain in my service for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from the God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed with it well and the harmful spirit departed from him. Okay. So here's the thing. My first thoughts is that's cool. David's qualifications already are awesome. Here's the thing. We're, There's, we're, <laughs> I envision spirit, you're playing Freebird. <laughs> Here's the thing. So <laughs> he's playing specifies Louisa, that the spirit obviously. is taken from him and a harmful spirit is given to him. But then the spirit comes back through David. And so the spirit, yes, it leaves Saul, but it's constantly present around him in David. Do you think that's where the misconception that he went crazy because the spirit left him?
3: comes from is that I think because it's it's the spirits back through the music that's kind of like abating I think this justifies charismatic worship services no what I mean what
4: I mean is that
1: when we read these things of like the Lord you know takes away the spirit from him or does this act of judgment mercy is around the corner it's like right beside it waiting there's he he's he doesn't leave Saul completely hanging Sure. The, the spirit is in another man and acting in Saul's benefit to heal him and protect him. Yep. He's his armor bearer. That's true. And <laughs> even,
3: even from a right.
1: narrative perspective, it's,
3: it's showing that like, uh, the re why David feels for Saul and stuff later on yeah. and stuff. And why, he, uh, not why, but it shows that, um, when David spares the, the King, like yeah. Saul and doesn't go and kill him in his sleep and yeah. all of these things that he's, it's built on this idea that uh, from this moment that he was with him this whole time kind of yeah. thing. And, and mercy was already kind of given. There's a specification. He's
1: been rejected as king, but he hasn't been rejected as God's anointed. Yes. And so there's still purpose for Saul while he's alive. He's still one of God's chosen to act properly. Um Yeah. And so, yeah.
2: Okay. Also, we're going to get into it. Chapter 17, which I'm so excited for in David mm-hmm. Goliath. Um, he's David's already mentioned to be a man of war. <laughs> also, he's yeah. his armor bearer. Wouldn't he know that his armor already doesn't fit him when he puts it on in chapter 17? So... I think there's some disc chronology going on. Yeah. But that's Old Testament books and books from any or, ancient Near Eastern context to begin with. And what is he doing at his father's see- place taking out, looking after sheep when he has to go to the army? If he's Saul's armor bearer, wouldn't he be with Saul bearing the armor at the battle spot?
1: Unless they live near each other.
3: Yeah. Ah. My, also, my translation <laughs> says he is an armor bearer, implying that he might not have been... The only one, or he wasn't for the whole time.
2: Either way, it's still, I I don't know. I, I think discronology
0: chronology. <laughs> he yeah. could just be delivering cheese to his brothers at war. Yeah, like but from he's Veggie a proven Tales. man of war? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy to me. <laughs> Not but yet. it does get into like, <laughs> hey, was he really a soldier? Are these just war stories that were told when he became king? Well, I think that's it's going to get the, into it.
2: I think chapter 17 comes in between the anointing Mm. and Saul's asking for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think chapter 17 may be in there to as a, as a narrative to show, Hey, this is the type of man that David is, Mm -hmm. but sorry, that's next time. I just kind of wanted to mention that here because there might be someone who goes, how does that line up? We'll get into it more next time.
1: Yeah. And, but the, and it might be for that comparison of the rejection of Saul and the anointing of David. That might be why it's disjointed for that narrative means Mm. um because the you already get a hint david is different than saul Mm. like the fact the way other people talk about him immediately is already inspiring something else than the way saul was described when he was a kid yeah um like, yeah, he's tall. He's a good guy. You know, he's gonna mm-hmm. he's gonna do great things. But it was because he was tall, <laughs> or his his dad was a fairly rich man. Yeah, and he he was what the people desired
3: as mm-hmm. an ideal king.
2: Oh, he's yeah. good looking too. Yeah,
3: but so is so wow. David.
1: Yeah, he's short, rugged and looking, David, mountain man. <laughs> mountain. And Saul is passive in his whole becoming a king and being king. But David is already – he's the leader of the sheep, not a farmer. He's not – he's actively participating in the king's court in healing him. Uh, he's, I don't know. I, w-
2: I would not start I think,
1: prescribing
2: active – him being an active player yet. I,
3: I Yeah, I think David and Goliath goes more into that. I than think he becomes thing. active yes. in that.
1: But what I mean – not in that he's – but he's – he's, he's – He's an act. It's not that he's active in participating in God's call. He's an active. He's actually doing things.
2: Ah, But Saul does stuff. I I don't think the contrast goes there yet. I think that contrast Mm -hmm. will grow. I don't think it's. Yeah, I I don't
3: think that the only things are described in this book are a contrast between Saul and David.
2: Well, I don't think he's making that argument either.
3: But anyway, no,
2: Joel, this has gone on for a long time.
0: Can we do what?
2: I, I'm asking I'm asking you to end it, please.
0: Oh really? We're gonna end the episode? Okay. Well, what have we talked about so far? Um No, I, I wanna s I want to no. summarize a little bit so we're not like anyways, that's about all I want to talk about and we're leaving.
3: Saul's a bad dude. I don't David know. David is I, a less bad person. I He's would stick sinner. with
0: him as a tragic character for me. But I mean really? a tragedy at his own hand. Right? Yeah. He's not quite a villain but he's not a good man either.
2: He's the man of the Old Testament. Sure. Like every judge before him.
0: Yeah, Yeah. well, I mean, he's representative of Israel needing a king. Um, Or wanting a king is actually a better way to say it. And David is more representative of Israel needing a king, um, which I think we'll get into Mm -hmm. next time. Yeah, um, this has been Second Rate Saints. (laughs) Uh, thanks for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, things you believe that we should cover, um, then yeah, just send us uh, an email at secondrate saints at gmail.com or you can check us out on our Twitter, our Instagram, um, or what else? Our website, secondrate saints.com. Yeah, Secondratesaints.com. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, thanks for listening thus far and uh, have a good week. Just end it. So I was listening to a documentary on Bill Cosby. Put me right to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You're going to have to clip that, actually. Put that at the end of the episode. Don't put 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 that that. at the end of the episode. It's terrible. Caleb, you almost done? No. I think he's building a chair for himself.